0: Hello, my name is Ashley Lambert, and this is Very Sleepy, a podcast to help you fall asleep. So, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and settle in, and get ready for tonight's story, The Garden of Memories, by C.A. Mercer. C.A. Mercer is an American author who has unfortunately been altogether silent of late years. So even though the author isn't well known, the story, the traditions, and influence of Nathaniel Hawthorne are revived. The experience is one which is a bit fragile and tenuous. But reliving childhood sentiments is the theme but on top of that theme there is another the garden of memories inspired me to read an article on NPR with ecologist Suzanne Simard and the question was do trees actually talk to each other according to Suzanne Simard The answer is yes. She says trees are social creatures that communicate with each other in cooperative ways that hold lessons for humans too. According to the article, she says trees are linked to neighboring trees by an underground network of fungi that resembles the neural networks in the brain. In one study, she watched as a Douglas fir that had been injured by insects appeared to send chemical warning signals to a ponderosa pine growing nearby. The pine tree then produced defense enzymes to protect it against the insects. She also says, in addition to warning each other of danger... That trees have been known to share nutrients at critical times to keep each other healthy. She says the trees in a forest are often linked to each other via an older tree she calls a mother or hub tree. In connecting with all the trees of different ages, the mother trees can actually facilitate the growth of understory seedlings. She also said that the seedlings will link into the network of the old trees and benefit from a huge uptake in resource capacity, and that the old trees pass on a little bit of themselves in the form of carbon and nutrients and water to the little seedlings at crucial times in their lives, and that actually helps them survive. Isn't that amazing? So I took that sentiment and used it with tonight's story. She's a professor of forest ecology at the University of British Columbia, so I tend to believe her. But what are those lessons for humans? Tonight's story is about home and the memories we store from childhood, and protecting not only the memories, but the forests. And the trees. And with that, The Garden of Memories by C.A. Mercer. And I hope it makes you very, very sleepy. The garden looked dreary and desolate in spite of the afternoon sunshine. The lilac and lavender bushes were past their prime. Their wealth of sweetness had been squandered by riotous offshoots. The wind played along the branches and cast changing, sun-flecked shadows on the grass-grown paths, narrowed by the encroachment of the box borders that had once lined the way with the stiff precision of troops Before a royal progress, the flowers had the air of being overburdened with the monotony of their existence. They could have had that aspect if they had only been wildflowers and had never experienced human care and companionship. That made the difference. The gate hung on rusty hinges. It answered with a long, drawn-out creaking as it was pushed open by a man who had been a stranger to the place for nearly twenty years. Yes, the garden was certainly smaller than it had been pictured by his memory. There had been a time when it had appeared as a domain of extensive proportions and the wood beyond of marvelous depth and density. He was... Conscious of a sense of disappointment. The property would scarcely realize as high a price in the market as he had hoped, and it was incumbent upon him to part with it if he would be released from the narrow circumstances that hemmed him in. He had arranged to meet the lawyer there that afternoon. One of the latter's clients had already made a bid for the estate. The timber, at all events, "'would add to the value. "'The house faced southward upon the garden. "'It was here the man had been brought up "'by a great old aunt. "'He guessed later that she had grudged him "'any of the endearments that death had denied her "'bestowing upon her own children. "'Her affections had all been but buried "'before he was born. "'Besides, he took after the wrong branch "'of the family.' She must have possessed a strong personality. It was difficult to bring to mind that it was no longer an existent force. Everyone from the parson to the servants had stood a little in awe of her. He remembered the unmoved manner in which she had received the news of the death of a near relative. It had overwhelmed him with a sudden chill that so she would have received tidings of his own. It had taken all the sunshine in the garden to make him warm again. In the mood that was growing upon him, it would not have much surprised him to find her sitting bolt upright in her carved high-backed chair as she had sat in the time of his earliest recollections. The thin, yellow hands on which the rings stood out folded in her lap. On one occasion, she had washed his small hands between hers, the hard luster of the stones acquired a painful association with the ordeal. The blinds would be partially drawn in the musk scented parlor to save the carpet from further fading, for there had been a tradition of thrift in the family from the time of its settlement, a tradition that had not been maintained by its latest representative. Like the atmosphere of a dream, The years grew dim and misty between now and the time when summer days were longer and sunnier, and it had been counted to him for righteousness if he had amused himself quietly and not given trouble. A stream that he had once dignified with the name of river formed a boundary between the garden and the wood. Although it had shrunk into shallow insignificance with much beside, a faint halo of the romance with which he had endured this early scene of his adventures still clung to the spot. As he came to the stream, he saw a reflection of a face in the water, not his own, but that of one much younger. It was so he met the boy. The child had been placing stepping stones to bridge the stream, and now came across balancing himself on the slippery surfaces to test his work. It was odd that he had remained unobserved until this moment, but that was due to the fact of the water rushes on the brink being as tall as he was. The boy's eyes met those of the man with a frank, unclouded gaze. He did not appear astonished. That is the way when one is young enough to be continually viewing fresh wonders, one takes everything for granted. He saw at a glance that this other was not alien to him. His instinct remained almost as true as those of the wild nature around. For his own part, he had an unmistakable air of possession about him. He appeared to belong to the place as much as the hollyhocks and Honeysuckle. And yet, how could that be? Probably a child of the caretaker, the man told himself. He had authorized the agent to do what was best about keeping the house in order. He had not noticed what signs it had to show of habitation. Now he saw it from the distance that it had not the unoccupied appearance he had expected of it, nor the windows, the dark, vacant stare of those that no life behind illuminates. Do you live here? he asked of the boy. Yes, the boy turned proudly toward the modest grey pile in the manner of introducing it, forgetting himself and his subject. It's a very old house. There's a picture over the bureau in the parlor of the man who built it and planted the trees in the wood. "'Hannah says, Hannah. "'It was a foolish repetition of the name. "'Of course, there were other Hannahs in the world. "'The old servant of that name, "'who had told the man stories in his boyhood, "'had been dead more years than the child could number. "'Yes, don't you know, Hannah? "'She'll come and call me in presently, "'and then you'll see her. "'Hannah says they, the trees, "'have grown up with the family.' He assumed an importance, evidently an unconscious mimicry of the one who had repeated the tradition to him, and that, with them, the house will stand or fall. Do you think the roots really reach so far? There was an underlying uneasiness in the tone, which it was impossible altogether to disguise. As the other expressed his inability to volunteer an opinion on this point, The boy went on, seeing that his confidences were treated with due respect. I dug up one myself once. I wish I hadn't afterwards. It was to make myself a Christmas tree like I'd read about. I just had to hang some old things I had on it. It was only a tiny fir, small enough to go in a flower pot. But that night, the house shook and the windows rattled as if all the trees in the forest were trying to get in. I heard them tapping their boughs ever so angrily against the pane. As soon as it was light, I went out and planted the tree again. I hadn't meant to keep it out of the ground so long. They might have known that. Have you no playfellows here? The boy gave a comprehensive glance around. There are the trees. They are good fellows. I wouldn't part with one of them. It's fine to hear them all clap their hands when we all jolly together. There are nests in them, too, and squirrels. We see a lot of one another. This statement was not difficult to believe. The Holland overalls bore evident traces of fellowship with mossy trunks. The boy did most of the talking. He had more to tell of the founder of the family, whose portrait hung in the parlor and of how, when he, the child, grew up, he rather thought of writing books, as that same ancestor had done, in making the name great and famous again. He had not decided what kind of books he should write yet. Was it very hard to find words to rhyme if one tried poetry? He was at no pains to hide such fancies and ambitions, of which his kind are generally too sensitive or too ashamed to speak to their elders, "'and which are, as a rule, forgotten as soon as outgrown. "'Shall we go into the wood now?' said the boy. "'It's easy enough to cross over the stepping stones. "'Yes, let us go.' "'The man was beginning to see everything through the boy's eyes. "'The garden was again much as he had remembered it, "'enclosed in a world of beautiful mystery. "'Nothing was really altered.' What alteration he had imagined had been merely a transitory one in himself. The child had put a warm, eager hand into his. Together they went into the wood, as happy as a pair of truant schoolboys. They might have been friends of long-standing. "'So this is your enchanted forest?' said the man." Not really enchanted, replied the boy seriously. I once read of one, but of course it was only in a fairy tale. That one vanished as soon as one spoke the right word. It would be a very wrong word that could make this vanish. He had a way of speaking of the wood, as if it were some sacred grove. His companion suddenly felt guilty, not quite knowing why. Of course, someone might cut them down. The boy lowered his voice. It seemed shameful to mention the perpetration of such a deed out loud. It would be terrible to hear them groan when the axe struck them. The young ones mightn't mind so much, but it would be bad for the grandfather trees who have been here from the beginning. Hannah says one would still hear them wailing on stormy nights. "'even if they had been felled and carted away? "'Yes, to be sure, there would be no one to hear the wailing "'if it's true that the house must fall too at the same time. "'But we needn't trouble about that. "'None of it is likely to happen. "'You see, if it did, where should I be?' "'He laughed merrily. "'This last argument appeared to him to be quite conclusive.' Such an important consideration placed the awful contingency quite out of the question and transformed it into nothing more than a joke. The child's laughter died away as they both stood still to listen, each thought he had heard his own name called. "'It's Hannah,' said the boy, and off he raced toward the house, barely saving himself from running into the arms of another person who had turned in at the gate.' Who was the boy who ran by a minute ago? One would scarcely have judged him to be the child of the caretaker. The man's heart sank with a dull thud. Something had told him the answer before it came. Child? The lawyer looked puzzled. I did not see one. No children have any business in this garden, neither is there any caretaker here. The house has been shut up altogether since the old servant you called Hannah died eleven years ago. They had reached the veranda. The westering sun had faded off the windows. It was easy to see that the house was empty. The shutters were up within, and the panes dark and weather-stained. Birds had built their nests undisturbed about the chimney stacks. The hearthstones had long been cold. My client is willing to purchase the property on the terms originally proposed, the lawyer was saying. He contemplates investing in it as a building site, of course. The timber would have to be felled. A breeze passed through the treetops like a shudder. The younger man interposed. I am sorry that you should have had the trouble of coming here, but I've decided to keep the old place after all, stick and stone. It is not right it should go out of the family. I must pull my affairs together as well as I can without that. The little phantom of his boyhood was to suffer no eviction. The end. Do trees talk to each other? Do they talk to us? I've read enough stories about wood nymphs and science that suggests that whether it's fantasy or nonfiction, something to consider. I believe it's so. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all the reviews and the downloads. I appreciate you. And I hope it's helping you sleep. If this is your first time, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you'll join us again. I'm Ashley Lambert. And this is Fairy Sleepy. Until next time, good night.